Okay. Greetings, friends of the apocalypse. This is Jared the Apocalypse War, uh, Apocalypse Nerd Wallace. And Apoc Adam... I don't apocalypse know. Apocalypse Word, okay? The, the Apocalypse Word, yes. I'm, uh... Because, you know... The word of the day is plutonium. Because it's you know because it, you know they allegedly believe that the bird is the word but the apocalypse is the word apparently so and Adam Scott Glancy I keep thinking I need to come up with a moniker I mean you are the apocalypse nerd maybe maybe I should be like the atomic bum any anything's possible any any anything that you want anything that you feel is appropriate we will well, call you that and perhaps, many things that many things that we that you don't want to be called either. Perhaps our, our seven listeners uh, can uh, write in and suggest uh, something horrible. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at you, Scroggins. I know that I know that you will you will be able to suggest something absolutely horrifying uh, that will make me weep tears of blood. So again, uh, Jared Apocalypse, Nerd Wallace, and Adam Blank, Scott Glancy, uh, coming to you for. Podcast at Ground Zero, episode 20, uh, Dystopian Apocalypse. So what we're going to kind of talk about tonight is uh, dystopia in context of the apocalypse. Because we know there's plenty of dystopia out there, but we really want to do it in the context of uh, related to an apocalypse, not just a development of you know, a totally fucked up society. We want to talk about ones that came about from either an apocalyptic world or finding pockets of dystopian societies in an apocalyptic world. It's, it almost seems like they're the same, but they're kind of not. They are and they aren't. And hopefully our ram, our, our hours worth of rambling tonight will make that perfectly clear. Oh, of course, because it's perfectly clear to me, and we've been rambling about it all week. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, so before we start, just, uh, just a couple brief in the news things. Uh, Mr. Glancy uh, came across uh, an announcement for an expansion for a game we've talked about before, uh, 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 State of Decay. So you want to yeah. talk about what you read about that, Scott? Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Undead Labs, who, who made State of Decay, and have made sort of an expansion for it called uh, um, Breakdown. And uh, uh, I've been playing a little bit of Breakdown, and it's... Uh, it's big way that it's different than uh, the other State of Decay game uh, is that even though it uses the same setting, um, it adds a new element where you can uh, you have to go and find a broken down RV, and there are multiple missions to fix it. And then by having this RV, you can move your settlement to different locations around the map. And the whole point of the game is to just suck every resource out of every corner of the map until you have to move, and then go to the next place, and then go to the next place, uh, until eventually you just run out of supplies, and it's, it's sort of the survival mode for the game. Um, the new game is called Lifeline, and uh, it's in development, and I don't know if it's going to be using the same map. It might. The map for State of Decay is actually incredibly huge and yeah. very complex, uh, there's all kinds of nooks and crannies you get lost in. It's real. There's there's a a lot of areas in it that are that are sort of you know muddled and confused. And, and, and I haven't explored even I don't know maybe a quarter or a third of the whole map. Uh, but Lifeline is going to be where you play members of the U.S. military. You're part of a, a, a 
a unit called like Team Greyhound or or or, or Greyhound uh, Company, like G Company of some larger unit, and you are uh, sent into this area to protect some scientists who are working on a cure for the zombie uh, virus. And the uh, in, instead of where you start off with nothing, you start off with a frying pan in uh, Left for Dead. Or sorry, in uh, uh, in in uh, Kennedy. So starting with a frying pan and a can of beans, um, you actually start off with your M4 carbine, your bulletproof vest, your giant backpack, all your ammo and food and everything, and you have all these resources at the beginning of the game, like airstrikes and artillery strikes and reinforcements, and uh, you know that all depends on taking and holding a, a landing field as in a, a helipad. But as the game goes on and things start to get worse, uh, your resources start getting taken away from you. You don't get a, the artillery units been overrun. The uh, helicopters didn't get their fuel shipment. Um, you know, there's not a new supply drop. But you've got to keep going uh, in an environment of diminishing resources, as opposed to an environment where, you know, a typical zombie apocalypse, you build up your post-apocalyptic kingdom. This one, it's going to be where your toys just start getting taken away one at a time until it gets harder and harder. And you, There is some opportunity for scrounging and making new resources uh, and finding substitutes for the resources, but um, it's a different kind of setting. It reminds me a lot of Twilight 2000, yeah. uh, the role-playing game. Because you'll start off under orders from the military, but eventually you're going to get that call on the sat, sat radio set that just says, good luck. luck. You're on, you're on your, own. your own. Yeah. So that's, that is Lifeline, and, and, and I'm a big fan of uh, State of Decay, uh, so I, I look forward to what they bring. I mean, it's, it is the unholy stepchild of The Sims, uh, Grand Theft Auto, and uh, you know, Daisy, but without you know the human psychopaths. Oh, the uh, the complete the complete and utter major asshole factor. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the griefers who who live for no other reason than to make you take off your pants and run around naked while they shoot bullets at your feet. Yeah, that's that's Daisy. Yeah, but also I I also uh, it's kind of a. Um dysfunctional relationship that people have because people allow it to happen instead of just leaving, you know? Yeah, yeah. why would you keep going back? You know, the re and the reason everyone attacks everyone else in the damn game is there's no there's no downside to getting killed, you know? You'll just come right, you know, you just sign back in, a new character. Yeah, there's no, there's no consequences. Yeah, sure you'll lose some stuff, but, you know, I mean, if I was, uh, you know, if I was, you know, you know, Try and dissuade people from doing all the you know murder, the being murder hobos and just running around the environment, uh, gunning down their fellow players. They should throw in more zombies, so that you know if you start whacking each other, you get overrun by zombies. Yeah, because when you're not because when you're not paying attention, you're worried about fucking other people. Oh look, fucking Zed just came up behind you and took a bite of your neck for lunch. You know. Yeah. That or uh, that, and make it so that if you die, you can't sign in for like twenty-four hours. Yeah, because because uh, the old saying, uh, which I read in a um, uh, some uh, some zombie story, way back, way 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 back, probably 
10 to 12 years ago easily, uh, back before the whole zombie thing exploded, there was a, a website, well, there still is a website called the Homepage of the Dead. It was dedicated to uh, the George Romero films. And they had a pretty they had a pretty good forum section. Again, this, this is like 2000. And uh, they had a fiction section where people would post fan fiction of zombie stories. This is, again, before the whole glut where you can't, you can't swing now because now you can't swing a cat without choking it, uh, with all you know by all the uh, um, yeah all the zombie stories and stuff out there you know so it's not it's a good thing but a lot of this fan fiction a lot of it was terrible but there were some gems in there some really good stuff I used to read in there and uh, well the one the one saying I always kind of remember uh, trying to remember exactly how it went it was something like you never see the zombie that bites you. Was was a, was a saying in one of these stories, and I'm like, you know, that's I like that. I like that tagline. Yeah, because you know? it's true. Well, and I and I tell you what, um, uh, is it, uh, certainly Daisy has that going. Uh, not Daisy. I'm sorry. Um, I was going to say State of Decay oh, because yeah. it's a because it's third person perspective. Uh, you can get snuck up on. Oh yeah. It's actually, as far as I'm concerned, with this. Because it won't give you the shot out your eyeballs, you know you'll be your character will be looking in one direction, but the camera perspective is in another. Yeah. And something can run up behind you or in front of you and bite you. It's it's a little tough, but it it, it that kind of chaos adds to the tension. I think. Yeah, I mean I played a little bit of it. It's it's good, but it's it's a lot it's a lot of resource management, which I tend to get a little like like that's why I don't like the new Arkham Horror. Too many fiddly bits, too much resource management. It's like, you know what? I don't need that much detail. You know, I don't need that much stuff to manage. But yeah, it's it's less of a story and more of a simulator. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There, it, it, there is no story to it. There's a, uh, a friend of mine always goes on about how the um, one of the Walking Dead games that came out was one that uh, uh, made you. It was a story game, and it made you make decisions about what actions to take, and it gives you a timer. So yeah. you have to make the decision under pressure, and yeah. you know you're oh, stuck no, those, with those Walking Dead games are uh, the ones by uh, can't remember the name of it, but they, you know they're they're really good. They're uh, Skybound. Uh, they're yeah. Skybound does those. They're 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 really good. You're talking about Tynes, aren't you? Because he, I yeah. think he made some kind of post about that. And he's oh, yeah. right. I mean, the Skybound ones, uh, the Walking Dead, are great. But the Simulator one, it's 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 not a bad concept. I mean, they do they do a good job of it. You know, it's just, it's a little hard to get into. But anyway, folks, uh, military ones coming out, so I'm interested to see that perspective here. The only thing I got to add is I recently watched, uh, and I talked about a while ago. I actually rented it because it never came out in the theaters by me. Was the Colony. Uh, the new movie that came out with uh, Lawrence Fishburne in it. You know, they're like, it's you know, kind of like the Ice Age has come, and there's pockets of uh, these little, uh, uh, little, uh, little colonies, little these little fortresses uh, scattered around. Um, short movie, uh, you know, small budget film, uh, hour and a half. Uh, not not a bad rental. Uh, I enjoyed it. I'm not really gonna talk much about it uh, to spoil it because it's still pretty new, but it's uh, it's pretty good. Uh, it's it's worth a rental, you know. If you have like if you have a local video store where you can rent stuff, uh, I don't know if it's in like those red boxes or anything. I know it's hard to like I said. I don't have any local video stores anymore down by me. I know Scott has a really good one up there in Seattle, Scarecrow. Yeah, I'm um, sure they have sure they have it there. But if you know if you have a chance to rent it, you can rent it online. Maybe it'll get it'll come on Netflix. Um, it's it's worth a watch. You know the problem 
Um, you know, I like what the problem winds up being. You know, they don't they don't get too uh, ridiculous. It kind of makes logical sense. So I kind of like. You, are you sure? Because my the big the big uh, gripe I hear about the colony is that once again uh, the writers think that cannibalism gives you superpowers. Oh, see, spoil spoil alert, people. But um, yeah, you just you just spoiled the whole thing. Oh but. yeah, because during the ice age when there's no food. It's going to come as an enormous shock to everyone that there might be cannibals. No, I, I don't think that people had superpowers. Um, I think that's a bit. Uh, I don't know. I don't know where they got that from. Uh, the only thing I might apply was the only thing I didn't really like about it was the dumb the boss fight. You know, there's always the boss fight. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. So uh, the boss fight I didn't care for. I kind of care. I kind of liked everything else. Didn't like the boss fight. Maybe that's what they're talking about because the boss fight was a bit drawn out. You know, I mean, did it give him superpowers? Nah, he's just you know a deranged psychopath, and he's got to be a bad guy. So yeah, I mean, like I said, that whole aspect of that boss fight thing I didn't care for, but I kind of liked the rest of it. You know, I, I thought it was, I thought it was worth a rental. You know, All right, fair enough. No, not not an own. Um, and, you know, unless I got it for free, but um, it's worth a couple bucks to rent. It, it was it was worth my entertainment. You know, I rented it on Amazon Prime. You know. Okay. Myself. You don't you don't feel you wasted your time? Nah, no, nah, I don't think so. Alright. I, I uh, enjoyed it. Even 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 Nancy enjoyed it, and she's uh you know, not not as much into the genre as all of us are. You know, so. Yeah, well, that would be that would be quite a stretch for anybody to be into the genre as much as we are. Um, yeah. One, what the only other? Do we have any other apocalyptic news besides the real world apocalyptic news? What about uh, our good friend Ivan? Well, uh, yes, uh, we're apparently um, yes. Uh, uh, the 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 Russians are Russia seems to have what uh, I would describe as um, phantom limb syndrome, where the uh, where like the, the the phantom limb. Like yeah. from uh, from uh, from uh, the uh, from uh, Venture Brothers, yeah, the Venture Brothers. <laughs> what I mean to say is, they can still feel the Crimea, even though it was chopped off in 1991. You know, they they still have this thing where they've got a hard on for uh, you know bits and pieces of the old empire. And uh, you know, uh, they're you know apparently Doctor Putin's. You know, prescription for how to fix this is surgery, where they're just going to graft pieces of these severed limbs back onto the itchy stumps, and that's going to make them feel better about you know, you know, being a member of the Fallen Empire Club. Uh, they went through this with Georgia, and nobody really noticed, and now they're trying it with the Ukraine. Uh, next on the menu is probably Belarusia and Kazakhstan. So. Get ready for that shit, fellas. Uh, but yeah, it's a good old-fashioned Cold War-style scary bear, you know, pre-apocalypse. Yeah, because they're uh, you know they feel like, hey, you know, we're we're not uh, we're not so tough anymore. We got to uh, flex our muscles and uh, gain our respect back, you know. Yeah, well, every time they do that, you know, they I mean they got to kick Georgia while it was down. And they did get to stomp the ever-loving piss out of Chechnya uh, in the in the in the part two after they got their ass handed to them in I guess it's '94. But again, you know they're beating up on the neighborhood cripples. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, what what was it that hard? What they did, you know, was it difficult? You know. Yeah, I, I don't think they want to tangle with you know an actual neighbor who's a threat like uh, China. You know, if they take a swing at China, the Chinese are going to end up owning everything. You know, east of the Ural Mountains before they're done. Yeah. Uh, well, no, that's not true. It'll eventually, it'll just dissolve into a, you know, a, a theater-wide nuclear exchange. You know, but um, yeah, the Russians are, are are picking on the Ukrainians, and everyone's pulling their hair out. I I don't know if we need to get that excited. If if Vladimir Putin screws this up, we could end up with Pussy Riot running the Kremlin. Nice. Yeah. Well, you know, it, they, they can't do a worse job. No, well, yeah, but I'm going to have to rewrite all that Delta Green material I already wrote for Russia. Mm. Well, no, no, because remember, this is all alternate history, alternate yeah. universe stuff, so don't know, don't, don't, worry, I, don't worry about it. I really wanted the bear to be back, but I didn't want the bear to, you know, leap off of its fucking front porch in its walker and fall down the front steps. <laughs> so, oh well. Yeah, and it needed a little more rehabilitation first before it attempted those kind of scary things, right? Yeah, I, I think I think Vladimir Putin could have waited and had a little, you know, more physical therapy. Maybe tried a little more time in the gym before he tried this out on Ukraine. But you know, we'll see. More power we'll to him. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so uh, you know, so that's that's kind of re uh, uh, relevant, but. Uh, Let's talk about dystopian, uh, dystopian in the apocalypse. So, like okay. I said, like I said at the beginning, you know, uh, you know, what is the distinction of between? Well, you have a dystopian society that came after the apocalypse, and it's still apocalypse still around, and you got a fucked up society, or you know, do you have pockets of fucked up societies within the apocalypse? You know, you know, where's where's the line? And let's just start mentioning some films, some some things, some books, some stories. You know that that we all. I I would go back and say the the, the very first dystopia, post-apocalyptic dystopia I can think of, is Orwell's 1984, because that world uh, exists after there was a nuclear exchange. There was a nuclear war, and this Stalinist society that has grown up uh, in the aftermath. Uh, is a result of that apocalypse, but that is a global dystopia. Yes, uh, that is that is a dystopia where all the corners of the earth are are working like a well-oiled machine to keep that boot stamping down on a human face. Uh, if I may quote O'Brien, the uh, party apparatchik, "Forever and ever." That's the that is the future of mankind. Yes, and you know how much of it is you know they still say the war is continuing, but you know is the war really continuing? Or are they just you know doing it just to keep you know keep the pressure on to well the, certainly the control certainly the war continues, but only as a way to grind up excess population and to consume anything that the society produces to make sure that there is continued scarcity, which is part of their program of control. Uh, it's an orchestrated war. Again, we have yes. always we have always been at war with East Asia. Eurasia has always been our ally. You know, anyone who says otherwise is double plus on good. Um, so that's so that's that's definitely a good that's a that's a prime example of a dystopian society uh, that grew from an apocalypse, and it's still kind of all around them because there's still war going on, things like that. You know, then we have some, you know, classic dystopian 
uh, examples that a lot of people should know is Lo like Logan's Run, for example. Yep. And the original Logan's Run is, uh, I mean, the first one, the movie. The, the movie, movie. Not, not the TV shows. But the Michael York movie, there's, there, there is clearly some sort of collapse. Yes. You know, once they get outside the city. Yeah, we don't, we don't know, we don't know what it is, but the world has collapsed, and it seems like they probably pulled together what was left of resources to this one big city to keep the population alive. But they definitely live in this, you know, fucked up, dysfunctional, die when you're 30 society to keep in control of the population, as the world, you know, had collapsed uh, around them. So yeah. it's uh, the original novel, William F. Nolan's novel. It has it so that I, I, at least all of North America, if not the entire world, is controlled by the city. And everyone's oh, going to like that. There's multiple cities, and they travel between the cities like by these long, uh, like, super intercontinental, you know, like, shuttles. Yeah. And um, uh, the and apocalypse, and the, and the apocalypse that actually happens is doesn't, doesn't Logan cause an apocalypse of this dystopia? Yes. By wrecking the computer, he actually goes from, well, we have a dystopic society. The only way to fix it is with an apocalypse. And get everybody, you know, out uh, to break break the chains. You know, so that's a, that's a definitely a classic one. And they, they made a TV series about it, too. A, uh, I think it was on, uh, what was it on, uh, CBS or ABC? I can't quite remember. I think it was on, uh, it was on CBS, uh, 1977. They made yep. a uh, TV series uh, based on that, you know, which was they were running around in the wild, you know, uh, tracking down, uh, you know, runners. So they were aware of the outside world. Whereas in the movies, there's no, there's no outside world. This is the world, you know. Okay. Yeah, uh, and yes, it is. It was the, the TV series is much more post-apocalyptic. Yeah. Um, I don't remember anything about the series except, uh, except. Um, uh, what's his name from the thing? That robot uh, was a robot, an android. Yeah, yeah, he was an android. That the the guy who played the captain, whose name I had, you know. Oh, well, Captain! I finally got to use his pop gun. You know. I was gonna go with. Uh, it's all the same to you, gentlemen. I know you've been under a lot of strain recently. Yeah. But, but when so, you find the time, I'd rather not spend the rest of this winter tied to this fucking couch. But. Um, <laughs> Donald Moffat, that's the actor. There you go. Donald, yeah. So Donald Moffat was in it playing this android, you know, sort of filling in the Spock role that everyone seemed to think science fiction shows had to have at least one Spock per per per, per show. Well, yeah, because it came out in 77, and Star Trek gained, uh, started airing, what, 74, 70, like 74, 75. You're right. It's, it, it, it is during the big time of the reruns. Yeah, because yeah, that—that's when Star Trek gained all. That you know, I could, I could show you pictures when I was a kid when I had like you know, shirts with Spock and Kirk on it. You know, I was a total you know uh, Trekkie back then when I was oh, yeah. six. You know, I, I I bought all the AMT models. Nice. Remember AMT? Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, um, the uh, 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 so so Logan's Run was sort of the classic. Is another sort of post-apocalyptic dystopia, although we don't really get a good understanding on how how it all happened. It, yeah, how it got down there. Now, um, I guess you know uh, when we think of, when I say post-apocalyptic dystopia, what Jared and I are not talking about is a post-apocalyptic story where there's some warlord 
in charge of some community, and he's a tyrant, and he's got some thugs around him, and they smash you in the face if you don't give them all your gasoline, or, you know, that's not really a dystopia. That's no. just, no. Um, that's, uh, just, that's just bullying, and it has to stop. It's gone out. <laughs> it's gone too far. But uh, 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 If I was going to give an example, you know, of one of those, you know, an isolated dystopia in uh, a post-apocalyptic setting, I'd have to go with the the, 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 the uh, good people of Topeka, Kansas, which was the name of the, the, the underground shelter. In a boy and his dog. In a boy and his dog. Yep. You know, where it's Jason Robards and everybody's got smiles painted on their faces like... Because everybody's like, happy. Like... Yeah, because that's... I can't, I can't say the C word. I can't say the c word, but it was you know they they got grease paint. Don't don't say the c word, all right? Jesus, but yeah, that was horrifying. <laughs> Holy shit! But no, it's no uh, one's allowed to be no one's allowed to be sad in Topeka. So that's an example of like we're talking about how the whole world. I mean, again, there's a there's a line between you know, like I said, you know, the 1984 is. Uh, you know, a, a larger society, a world society has developed after apocalypse. Whereas, in the boy and his dog, there is a post, there is a dystopian, dystopian society within the post. You know, the whole world is apocalypse. Everything's you know destroyed, but there's a po It's more like a pocket. You know, there's a small village or a town or city that's developed as a dystopian, dysfunctional society within the apocalypse. Again, a lot of these lines are. It's very gray. You know, uh, you know the gray area on this subject is a well, bit wide, yeah. but you know. In the global ones, I would throw out also um, uh, the Hunger Games is a, you know, global or at least a North America dystopic society. Um, but since we don't like the Hunger Games, we're going to spend no time talking about that. And I, I couldn't, I can't even really talk about it. I, I told you the first movie, I walked out after about an hour. Because I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't stand it. Didn't see the second one. You know, get a lot of people hate me. Oh, the movie is great, and a lot of people tell me, "Well, if you read the books, you'll appreciate it more." Well, you know what? If I need to read the books to appreciate the movie, then the movie hasn't done its job. Yeah, the you movie know? failed. The uh, movie has but, failed. But I would throw out tripods. Ah, yes. Really good. Yes. That's a really good example of a post-apocalyptic dystopia. Jared, you get to run with that one because you've seen. The whole series, and I've only seen a few episodes. Oh yes, it's a uh, the tripods was uh, actually based on uh, a book series by John, our friend John Christopher, who has done a lot of post-apocalyptic novels. Uh, the the English have done a did a series, a uh, TV series called you know the tripods uh, based on the books, and basically it's a, it's an alien it's an alien apocalypse, alien invasion. Destroys the world, takes over the world, takes control of the human population. Is it is it H.G. Wells's uh, Martians with their tripods from uh, War of the, from from H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds? Uh, I'm trying to remember deeper, like towards the end, like the City of Letting Gold. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen it, but uh, yeah, but they they're on tripods and. They they will uh, they they it's all about the controlling of the humans because they would when you reach a certain age you get your you get like this implant in your brain that controls you so you're not aggressive you have no free thought you just do whatever they tell you to do and you you serve the tripods 
uh, like the tripods would come around because the world has gotten kind of uh, medieval after every, you know, they develop into like a medieval society and they had like the annual ritual where the tripod would come in and they would, the people who were aged, they'd take, they'd take them and uh, give them their plates to control them. And uh, the story is about this one kid who doesn't want to do it. He runs into this guy called Ozymandias who is part of this underground movement to try to overthrow the tripods. And it's his adventures across England and through, uh, through uh, Western and Eastern Europe until he finally uh, gets to a bigger organization of the resistance and then how they try to go into there's this one giant city of the of the tripods where they break in as servants and they try to overthrow them. So I mean it's pretty it's a pretty long series. It's uh, three books. I read I read the books uh, probably like mid eighties again. You know again John Christopher, but the tripods is definitely it's kind of this dystopian society because again it's apocalyptic. You know, it's kind of dysfunctional in the fact that it's controlling. Uh, you know, you know the tripods are controlling humans and using them as slaves. It's not there's there's they've taken away free will uh, of the people by putting these implants in. Yeah, and and the technology is, I mean, you know, part of it is all technology is suppressed so that humans will never get to be a threat. Oh, any 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 tech anything, even medieval technology, is not look is down. You know, looked down upon. You know. Anything, any kind of advancement, you know. I mean, they have basic things to do, like basic medieval farming. But if you get a little bit crazy, you know, like, hey, look at I've developed this. No, squashed. You know, yeah. no, no advancement. So no, no, no steam power. No, uh, you know, nope. no wood gas. No, nope. no, nope. So no solar panels. No, no windmills. Nope. Well, yeah, they have windmills for power because you know, like. Uh, for milling, you know, grain okay. and stuff, but that's about that's about it. That's about the most advanced thing they got, you know. No hooking like, the wind, no hooking the windmill up to an alternator. Uh, no. Yeah. Well, maybe the underground did, but you know, yeah. your populace as a whole. So the tripods is a good is a good example of that. Um, Scott had mentioned, uh, and I'd forgot about was uh, it's it's more a comedic view of it, but uh, sleeper. Oh. Yeah, uh, Sleeper is a post-apocalyptic, um, uh, is a, a post-apocalyptic dystopia, even if it is done for laughs. Yes. Um, although, admittedly, Mr. Allen has gotten progressively less funny <laughs> as we learn more about him. Or not even, or just his movies have become less funny as no, they, uh, yes. time goes on. Period. You know. <laughs> I prefer his earlier funnier rapes. Oh yeah, well you know of course it's you know <laughs> all of his all of his sexual molestations got terribly um, self indulgent as he got older. You know what it's I mean? So, it's so tripe at this point. You know, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> all right, enough of enough slandering, uh, Mr. Mr. Allen. Allen. Moving along. Um, but uh, it, but it's what's what's funny is because I I've been I was I was doing some looking on the internet to see what other people think. You know, dystopia. I mean, there's plenty of you know, there's plenty of dystopian societies out there. But again, we're looking at the context of, of apocalyptic, and what some people think are dystopian post-apocalyptic stories are like really. Uh, what was the what? I, uh, somebody somebody feels Defcon Four is a post-apocalyptic dystopian film. Well, it's that's that's exactly the the example I was giving before that you know. You know, okay, there's a warlord and some guy and his thugs, and they have a society. I don't quite consider that dystopian enough. That's just yeah. you know, some sort of, 
yeah, it's just a backslide into savagery, you know. What was the name yeah. of the book? Uh, the Ascent into Savagery or the the path, path to Savagery? Path to Savagery. Yeah. Um, you know, that's almost expected. I get for a dystopia. I'm looking for something that's not what I expected, like the uh, like the Republic of Ruth from Planet Earth. Yep. You know, where um, John Saxon and Gene Roddenberry's Planet Earth travels out to the Republic of Ruth, which is this, you know, Gene Roddenberry feminism gone crazy world where, you know, up is down, black is white, and women are in charge. And what I find absolutely hilarious about the Republic of Ruth is, besides Dinah Moldar, you know, uh, of course turning up in it because she was in Star Trek, uh, and later in Star Trek Next Generation, um, is that uh, despite the fact that this is a female-dominated matriarchy where men have no rights and are reduced to the level of property and women have taken on all these male characteristics, including settling their disputes with fisticuffs, um, they're still wearing sexy clothing. All the women are still wearing these like bare shoulders, bare midriffs, plunging well, neckline Well, what, what else would they wear? Come on. What? Something comfortable, something that says, I don't have... Why aren't the guys having to wear, like, the banana hammocks? I mean, if the men are all wearing, like, these cotton shirts, you know, these sort of peasant tunics, outfits. You know. Oh, yeah, the tunics and cotton pants, like these peasant outfits, like they're in some Mexican Pueblo. It's like, the women are in charge, how come they're not having to wear banana hammocks or something equally, you know, humiliating? But, all right, whatever, Gene Roddenberry... Clearly, he knew that his audience didn't want to see a lot of banana hammocks. No. Well, but also, in, in the other one, uh, Strange New World, because we've talked about that trilogy before. Yeah. Uh, Strange New World has a very good example of this of the dystopian society when they when they, fir when they first come down from the satellite and they're roaming in their little uh, buggy and they come across this, uh, this, this city, which has kind of like this uh, germ barrier force field, and these people are kind of immortal. And the one guy is this doctor who knows the other doctor from 180 years ago because he's perfected a uh, Im immortality, uh, you know, uh, surgery. Like, well, not really surgery, but they they're, they're kind of immortals. But they remember they're but they're immortals because they make clones and they clone organs, so they keep on replacing parts, spare parts, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a whole, the whole society is all peaceful, and they preach peace, and, you know, they work on the arts, you know, there's no violence, but we're going to clone people and chop them up in a body shop so I can keep on living, and we're going to use our clones for slaves, you know, yeah. so it's a bit fucked up, and then, of course, because they're all fucked up, it all goes awry, because I think John Saxon breaks the germ barrier, and, oh, we, we have no resistance because we're all made from clone parts, and they all die, you know? So, yeah, that thing really reminded me of the of the weird colony of immortals in Zardoz, you know? The weird immortal society in Zardoz uh, that Sean Connery burns to the ground. Oh, uh, is, is, that, is that the one where he's, in, like, he's got the big mustache, he's in that red uh, jockstrap thing? Banana <laughs> hammock. We're back to the banana hammock. A banana <laughs> hammock with thigh-high leather red boots and bandoliers of bullets. Yeah, uh, Sean has never looked more redonkulous than in Zardoz. Uh, but, uh, but that weird society where the rest of the world is savages 
you know, scraping out a, a medieval living outside their, you know, sort of forced dome, you know, perfect society that nobody lives, uh, no, nobody ever dies, and there's no reproduction, and uh, they're living in perfect stasis um, after the apocalypse. That sort of reminded me of that, of the same guys from, uh, from uh, uh, Brave New World. Yeah. Um, certainly, I guess those guys from Zardos count as a, a dystopia. Um, uh, the, um, I guess, uh, and even, um, even Children of Men. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, because it's um, the apocalypse is ongoing. Because you know, there's no more births, no more population growth. The world is coming to an end, so the world's falling apart around him. But in a, in, a, in a more severe way than if you just had a giant population crash and there's only a few people left. There's no coming back. There's no breed your way out of this nope. problem in Children of Men. It is, you know, last one out, turn out the lights. You know? Yeah, it is it's it is lights out. We are done. We are out of here. We're gonna turn the sign, close for business. There's, you know, we're not coming back in 15 minutes. We're, you know, we're done, you know. Yeah, yeah no more encores. And certainly it's created uh, this kind of dystopian Society okay. in England, where it's the lifeboat society, where you know everybody from everyone else's fucked up, you know, country is trying to come to England for sanctuary. So it's a fascist police state, and uh, again, they're handing out. There's commercials for uh, euthanasia drugs on the television, and I can't remember what. Uh, Oh. Was it Quiescent or something? There was some horrible brand name for it. You choose your time when you want to kill yourself rather than wait for the end. Um, uh, yeah, so The Children of Men definitely has a dystopia inside an apocalypse. I mean, insofar as, you know, when, you're, when, they, when you hear little hints about what's going on in the rest of the world, you know, it's, you know, what was it, the radio says, day... 500 of the Siege of Seattle? That doesn't sound good for my neck of the woods, Jared. It yeah. really doesn't. Um, and uh, they imply that New York City has been nuked. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, so uh, clearly uh, the meltdown is ongoing in the rest of the world. It, it, it is a free-for-all. Uh, and uh, England is a dystopia floating in the middle of this chaos. And what, did people you say? Are, what, what, did, what did you say? Quintess? It was it was something like uh, it was something like quietus or quietus. Quiet, yeah, Q Q U I E T U S quietus. Quietus, yes. The um... will instantly stop all vital organs and kill the consumer. <laughs> <laughs> Guaranteed, or your money back. Um, yeah, that's great. Uh, so so uh, certainly, Children of Men has a dystopia. Um, let's see um, the. Uh, uh, Oh yeah, because um, yeah, there's, there, yeah, there's that one scene where he's like walking through the you know area. There's like this, the park is all everybody's like in Sunday you know outfits and hats and walking apart and enjoying playing croquet. Yeah. Like nothing, like the world isn't collapsing around them, you know. Yeah, it's like the green zone in London. It's like the Baghdad's green zone, except they've moved to the London. It's surrounded by you know guys in bulletproof vests with you know riot shield helmets, you know, to keep the rest of the holy polloi. At bay, uh, while these people enjoy the the end of every enjoy the end, enjoy the 
the last of the show, the final reel. Another just uh, thing I think uh, qualifies as a, as a dystopian film would be uh, an apocalyptic dystopian film would be uh, Twelve Monkeys. I think would yes. fall under that. Yes, there is a dystopia in that, um, in that they're all living. It's another bunker. Yep. It's another Topeka, uh, where that society. You know, because isn't he in? He's in prison for a long list of crimes that are things like bad social attitude. You know, uh, you know, uh, uh, refusal to obey authority. Uh, you know, improper improper deference to his superior officers. You know, uh, things like that. You know, just you know, just just being grumpy apparently lands you in the fucking cells. Uh, that reminds me of uh, uh, dust. Which is the post-apocalyptic dystopia set in the giant underground uh, colony that is there in the silos. That is oh, there. that's the one with the uh, oh, the oh, yeah, where you got to clean the the periscope, right? Yeah, yeah, where the execution means is to be kicked outside of the colony uh, with a suit that's going to dissolve in the toxic environment outside, and uh, you're supposed to clean off the lenses of the cameras that allow the people inside to see a view of the outside world so they don't go completely bug shit crazy, I guess. And, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty ghastly. It's it's pretty ghastly. And it is a dystopia with, uh, you know, and all the things we expect from uh, sort of a lifeboat survival dystopia, but also a society organized around a big lie. Right? There's a big lie about why they're there, what the apocalypse was, and the whole society is designed to preserve that lie uh, without spoiling it. Um, Handmaiden's Tale? Yes, Handmaiden's Tale. Uh, in the book they mentioned that there was some sort of terrorist attack on the United States, uh, which is sort of a micro-apocalypse, you know, with some nukes going off, probably no more apocalyptic than, say, Jericho. But the result is that as America reorganizes itself into a dystopia, so I'm not quite sure where that falls uh, on our, you know, on our scale because it's just America going down the tubes, not the rest of the world. But it definitely falls more to the list because again, looking at some things that people uh, uh, who think are post-apocalyptic dystopian films, like uh, on this on this uh, one list, apparently somebody thinks The Road is a post-apocalyptic dystopian film. I gotta disagree with that. Yeah, there's not um, enough society. There's not enough society left to make a dystopia. Exactly. Or um, what else do they have here that I thought was ridiculous? Um, oh, La Morte de Combat they have on here. Again, not enough society to make a. Uh, wait a minute, is it, you mean La Dernier Combat? The final, um, the final battle. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. I'm sorry. Legendary to combat with, uh, with Luke Besson. Luke Besson directed it, and Jean Reno is in it. Yep. As uh, the be the brute or the beast or whatever he is. Uh, some some this person also thinks that Waterworld Waterworld is a dystopian uh, post-apocalyptic world. Um, you know, I, I I see the way the two societies that show the the atollers and the smokers, and I just didn't. I just can't quite hang the word dystopia no. on that. Um, I guess Time's, maybe... Time of the Wolf they also have on here? No. No, there's no... Yeah, no, no there's no society there. Yeah, and, 
And here's the biggest one of all, I think. Threads is apparently is a dystopian film, according to these people. Uh, yeah, I guess there's a society, but, you know, at the same time, I just, I, I, it's not like, it's not dystopia like, uh, you know, like Logan's Run. It's not dystopia no. like uh, uh, Boy and His Dog, like the, the society in Boy and His Dog. Um, yeah, because that's the kind of stuff we're, we're kind of looking at here, you know. I guess I, I guess the 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 uh, the Allied States of America might be considered a dystopia uh, in Jericho. You know what I mean? Uh, insofar as you know, they're rewriting history. They're they're in the in, in in the TV series. They're in the process of trying to rewrite American history uh, and, and create a dystopia. You know, and they're using the chaos of the attack. To you know, make them make this new, more terrible America out of the mess. But I guess he doesn't quite make it to a dystopia. Um, uh, what was the uh, what was the name of the society that was created in Jeremiah? Uh, that was not Valhalla Sector, which was your which was your continuity of government. You know, um, but there was um, another society that was that was built by a bunch of former Valhalla sector social engineers who tried to create the perfect charismatic leader, the perfect cult of personality leader to reorganize society. Um, it wasn't. It was. It was like. It was. It was. It was a Joshua. Oh, God, it's been so long since I've seen yeah, it that. Sounds like a job for Wikipedia. I know. Um, but while, uh, while you're lo while you're looking that up, um, things that, you know, I think things that I think fall under uh, some dystopia dystopian apocalypse films is I think the Matrix, the first Matrix, could fall under that category. Oh, absolutely. I think that, that I think that's a absolutely a dystopia. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's been an apocalypse. And the resulting dystopia is you live in a tube. You live in a tube. That's it. Yeah. But you don't know. You, everything's happy, you know, and yeah. they control you. So I think that definitely fits under the uh, apocalyptic genre, you know, the Matrix, the original Matrix, the, the best one out of the three. You know, the other two are kind of, uh, yeah. Um, Daniel. That was the, ah, that, that was go. Daniel's army. Daniel's, yeah, that was sort of a, a, did they, did they have like a base around a lake or something? Uh, that was another part of the series. Now Daniel was this thing where they would uh, they would like clean up some areas of the some some areas of cities and try and get the lights on in like one area and sort of create this facade of progress and recovery. And it was all just bells and whistles and dog show, you know, to try and uh, get people seduced by the idea of where it's all coming back and we're bringing America back, but it was all just a, you know, sort of a facade, almost like North Korea. Huh, yeah. You know? What about, uh, let me throw this one out there, it's a newer film, it's uh, one of your favorite actors was in it, um, Oblivion. Tom Hanks. It is an apocalypse. Uh, and, there, and there's a bit yeah. of a dystopia because... Doing it like a very micro dystopia. Well, they do think they're part of the society. I mean, our main characters think that they are part of a bigger society. Yep. And uh, they get a rude awakening on that point. Um, so I'm not, you know, but I'm, 
You know what? And you're right. In a, in a way, they are part of a bigger society. In that the two of them, what was the thing? We're a good team. You know are, that, that are, are are you an effective team? Are you an effective team? Yeah, that that horrible thing. They are in a society. They think they're part of a society. Um, but they kind and, of are part of a society because there's them, and then the one, the next one over, and the next one over, and the next one over, and the next one over. So yeah. there's a large group of them. They kind of create a whole, you know, community of pairs of uh, workers, part of this yeah. whole bigger society. So, yeah, yeah, it, it, and it is a nightmare world where they have to be fooled. I guess that's one of the things about a dystopia is that there has to be sort of this this idea that this pretense that it's not as bad as it is. You know what I mean? Uh, whenever we think of uh, we're, we're setting societies, we're setting Logan's Run, where everyone's like, we were fucking and having sex and it's great. And nobody thinks about Life Day, you know. And in Topeka, everybody's you know, in Buenos Aires, everybody's got a smile on their face, and there's there's a there's a, a Fourth of July barbecue every day, you know, <laughs> you know. Uh, wait, wait, wait! That that sounds like my house, but yeah. I am. And uh, certainly in oblivion, everything's great, you know. You know, we're almost done with our work, or you know, just a few more days until we're done with our shift or whatever it was. We'll go. We'll go back up to the, you know. The facade of the world that they create for them, you know, with the communications—it's yeah. not that doesn't exist, you know. Yeah. Uh, so there's definitely that going on. I mean, so the idea that a lot of dystopias have a big lie, you know. Yeah. Where people are either ignoring the apocalypse, you know, they're these societies, or they're being lied to, you know, to control them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, something as naked as, uh, you know. Uh, uh, DEFCON 4, you know, where it is just naked, the naked exercise of power, like uh, Gary Oldman in um, whatever that uh, Blind Swordsman movie was. Um, Gary Oldman in Blind Well, I, 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 forgotten, I have forgotten the movie, De the name of the Denzel Washington apocalyptic movie. Oh, uh, The Book of Eli? Yeah. You know, calling uh, Gary Oldman's little, you know, community that he runs a uh, dystopia, uh, is really uh, giving it a lot more credit. <laughs> yeah, he's just, he's, just more, he's, he's, just a, he's just a warlord. You yeah. Know? Um, uh, there's another uh, series of books, and I've only read the first one in the series, uh, called uh, Prayer for the Assassin. Have you ever heard of this, uh, Jerry? No. Mm -mm. It was written back in the early 2000s, uh, and it had one goal. This book had one goal. Scare Americans with Muslims. I mean, that was it. That was the goal of this book, because it presents uh, a dystopian society of uh, America having converted to Islam, uh, following a uh, following a nuclear terrorist attack that was done by Israel, and you know, sort of that old oh, Israelis they evacuated the five thousand Jews from the World Trade Center, and you know that you know sort of. Going from that sort of bullshit conspiracy theory, America got nuked, uh, you know, like Washington, New York, Mecca got nuked, uh, and it was all a plot by the Israelis. And so, you know, America nukes Israel for having uh, attacked New York and Washington. And there's a giant civil war in America where uh, somehow, uh, you know, uh, Islam ends up winning. 
and uh, everybody in America has a you know all the men have beards, and you know there's uh, it's the story is set in Seattle, so they're like down at you know um, uh, the the new stadium downtown, except it's called you know Bin Laden Stadium now, and uh, they're playing football, and there are no female cheerleaders, and the only appropriate cheer is Allah Akbar, and it was just this. You know, it was designed just to be all scary post 9/11, and uh, but it was an apocalypse, and it did generate a dystopia, and the dystopia was predicated on a lie that Israel attacked America and, and attacked Mecca when really it was all you know wicked evil Muslims who were so wicked and evil that they were willing to blow up and irradiate uh, Mecca uh, in order to destroy the great Satan um, and during the course of the story. Because, you know, these Muslims, they can't be trusted. Uh, they're, they're made out of evil. Uh, you could, well, that's, you could, that's, that's a given. But, yeah. uh, but uh, uh, there's at least two books in the series, Prayer for the Assassin, and I don't know what the other one is, but it is a dystopian America that is that has been created post-apocalypse. Now, where where a series of book where we see um, dystopian societies a lot is uh, the Deathland series. Some oh, of them are, some of them are flat warlords, but things like Crater Lake. Oh, they're, they're, yeah, oh, yeah, no, there's a lot of warlords, but there no no not everybody's but there's like the Crater Lake. Uh, the Ant Hill, the there is this one story where they're at, they're out like in the desert, like in Arizona or something, and they come across this society where there's some kind of genetically engineered guy who com comes off as like the sun god, and they got this weird dystopian society there. Uh, so in the Deathland series, you do encounter uh, po these pockets, you know, of dystopian societies in the apocalypse, you know. You know, most of them are just barons and warlords, but there are some true, like, dystopian, dysfunctional, the lie kind of uh, societies there. We do, you do encounter that quite a bit in that I'm series. Looking up at my shelf, seeing if I can figure out anything else that would fall into this category. Um, I'm sure somewhere out there people are yelling at us. Like, tripods really is one of the tops. Yeah, tripods, you know, books, book-wise, I'm not... I don't got that many. I don't really got I mean, a lot related to that. Um, but Deathlands definitely has it. Uh, Movie-wise, a couple I want to throw out there just to see what you think about uh, would it be dystopian. What about the first Mad Max movie? Is that a dystopian apocalypse? Well, it's certainly we. What we. It's kind of pre-apocalyptic, so it's a dystopia. I mean, the the world is breaking down. It's it's under the strain of lacks of resources and you know running out of energy and everyone's dirt fucking poor you know so it feels like it's a dystopia uh, which is about to get fixed by an apocalypse. Um, now that I think of it, I was I was going to say earlier that on that same theme of a dystopia that's a, that the only way to fix it is with an apocalypse. I would uh, I I was thinking and again. It's a terrible movie, and I don't recommend it for anyone. Uh, but Escape from L.A. Now, at the, end, at the end of Escape from L.A., you know, Snakes Plissken's option is, well, gee, I can either use the orbital weapon system to uh, 
you know, help the theocratic fascists in America, or it can use the orbital weapon system to help the third world anarchist communists. Fuck both of you. And he just, he turns the lights off on the entire planet rather than let, you know, either side win. And I, I, th that's one way to fix a dystopia. <laughs> well, I, and I was going to, I was going to bring up Escape from New York, you know, d you know discounting the second film, because I only saw a part of it. All I remember was from the commercials. I only saw, like, snippets of it was, you know, he was surfing in a canal you know, on a surfboard, and I'm like, I'm calling bullshit on this. I am not watching this film. No, so, there's, no, it's not good. All right. Yeah. Now, I mean, there's so we could do an entire show on all the things that are wrong with Escape from L.A. I mean, Escape from New York, we have a... A fight with baseball bats with nails through it and gar oh. garbage can lids, right? Oh, it's it's a classic film. It's with, it, with, it, with, that, that's the big confrontation, right? Isaac Hayes makes Snake Plissken fight Ox Baker, this professional wrestler, you know, and and in Escape from L.A., the bad guy makes Snake Plissken shoot hoops. I know you're thinking, you, 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 how is that possible? But yes, the look on your face, Jared, is classic. I just, you, I, yes, it's a deadly hoop shoot. I, I shit you not. I have nothing to say. Yeah. I, 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 I have no reaction to that. No. Okay. It's, it's again, it doesn't exist. So <laughs> it's it, that's it. That's best. It's best if it does. So I was gonna, you know, pretend, you know, I was gonna say. The original Escape from New York, before the travesty that was out, was like that. You know, the movie seems kind of dystopia, but is it kind of you know? Is there an, you know? There's definitely an apocalypse within New York City. Well, they but, also you know, is there an apocalypse in the overall world? You know, so like, yeah, there's some world left, but you know, is is that like a dystopian apocalyptic film, the first one? Because we don't really see anything beyond the whole New York area. We don't really mm -hmm. know what's out there. Yeah, but it, but since there's a since there's a, a a peace conference going on with the Soviets and the People's Republic of China, and since Pliskin quote unquote flew the Gulf fire over in Leningrad, youngest man ever decorated by the president, I presume World War Three is ongoing in Escape from New York. World War Three is ongoing, and our 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 and they're warming up. They're finally getting to the point where they're starting lobbing nukes at each other, and certainly so certainly. We're working our way towards an apocalypse. I'm going to bet that there are sections of real estate in Eastern Europe and Western Europe that look like the surface of the moon, <laughs> you know, uh, when Snake Plissken is, uh, you know, uh, uh, hoofing it down the uh, whoops down through the um, uh, World Trade Center. Well, then again, it was 1997, so the World Trade Center was there. It's not like it had been knocked over yet, so he, he can certainly work his way down to the to the uh, 50th floor of the World Trade Center. Uh, so I'm not sure that it's a dystopia. It, certainly it's a dystopia. There is an apocalypse looming. Yeah, but it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Um, now, what about here? This has this, this came to mind. What about hardware? Yes. Uh, hardware counts. Uh, certainly, I think is a dystopia. Uh, it's a, it is a post-apocalyptic dystopia. Oh, you know, we totally forgot. We're such idiots, Jared. What? Fucking, fucking Judge Dredd. 
How could we be sitting here running our uh, mouths? We're bad. We're not good at this, Jared. We're, ter we're terrible. Stop watching, everybody. Yeah, um, we, are, uh, we need to wrap. We need to wrap this up. And I judge dread. Yeah, maybe the greatest dystopia, post-apocalyptic dystopia, freaking ever. Yeah, you know? you're right. Um, it, it's and, and you know Stallone movie aside, I was a big. I'm a big fan of Dread. Um, I, I was reading the 2080s, the newspaper editions that came over from England back in like the early 80s. My local comic store used to get them in. Yeah. Yeah, we don't get it. You know, we got a cursed Earth. We've got you know, you know, President Ripper, or uh, was it President Ripper? Uh, no, wasn't it? Uh, well, no, it was Booth. It was President Booth. Booth, Judge you Fish. But uh, <laughs> uh, we we we've destroyed the Earth. We've had we've had an apocalypse, and the result is the dystopia of Mega City One, Mega City Two. Um, that's our dystopia. And uh, well, one, two, and uh, Texas City. Texas City. I was like, it was Texas something I couldn't quite remember, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, so Judge Dredd, total best example of the, you know, dystopian post-apocalypse society. That's why you made me think of, uh, because I mentioned hardware, because that was based off a 2000 AD story. That's why I remembered. Because it's a, you know, it's a post-apocalyptic world, and the guy, like, they have, like, the off-worlds where everything's all high and mighty and high tech, but, you know, people live in the squalor of the apocalypse. So. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, I can't think of enough good things to say about um, the, that most recent Judge Dredd movie. Have you seen it, Jared? Oh, yes. Yeah. So I thought it was very well. It was a, it was a very good dungeon crawl. Uh, the, yeah. The, event, the adventure was a dungeon crawl. It's kind of a mix of... Now, in comparison, like I said, the Stallone film... You know, whatever Stallone's ever, they got the world setting of the comic book pretty good. I admit, I admit that the Judge Dredd was Stallone. The look was closer to the comic book. The comic books. This one is more gritty. This one seems to be more like the rise of the mega city. You know, because like, yeah, there was a war. Things are breaking down. The blocks have just started to develop. You know, they're but not they're everywhere still, yeah. yet. Yeah. That's right. It's not all mega blocks. It's not all mega blocks yet. It's so uh, Judge Dredd takes place well into that society, but then in this one they kind of pull them back a bit during the development of it. You know. Yeah. But I still think it was done very well. I think uh, you know our friend, you know Urban, totally nailed the Judge Dredd character. Yeah. Yeah, no matter what, uh, Carl. Or and here's the other thing that's very important that I think is critical. They never took the helmet off. Exactly. That is the most significant thing about that. <laughs> they didn't take the fucking helmet off because you know what? Judge Dredd doesn't take his fucking helmet off. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah it's know? like it's like the spirit taking his gloves off uh, or his mask. That shit does not happen. Um, There's been the occasional dread not having his helmet on, but it's always done from behind, in the shadow, so you I don't just, see I his just, face. I just think it's hilarious that um, that the people who made the Judge Dread movie with Stallone actually thought we have to take the helmet off because otherwise, how will anyone know that Sylvester Stallone is in this movie? I mean, um, how will they know? And I'm like, really? 
I, I, I don't. I don't know. Maybe his distinct voice. Maybe his. Uh, you know. That might. Yeah, his distinct voice is. He's. He looks like a fucking cartoon. That was like when he was in his his most overly exercised of his life. You know. Uh, I think he's gonna stand out. All five foot. But he, but he was he was not not having his face on screen, which kind of ruins the character. So that's yeah. what they they did completely wrong, and and then, uh, what's his name who had the uh, the Schneider you know, Schneider was the comic relief, you know, uh, awful. But anyway, so yeah, so Judge Dredd alone the comics to 2000 AD, which is still being produced to this day, very great. Uh, Excellent, Post, yeah. Post-apocalypse oh. dystopia. I think yeah. I think that'll be like one of the crowning ones we have there. So yeah. Well, we started strong. What with things like you know, uh, Logan's Run, and you know, we, you know, ended up at Judge Dredd. And I got to tell you, um, Logan's Run is another one that probably wouldn't hurt to be redone. They could probably remake that film. Uh, you know, yes, we've had some bad Planet of the Apes movies. Uh, uh, you know, thank yeah. you, Tim. Thank you, Tim Burton. Yeah. But, um, you know, Logan's Run is one that it's worth a crack. I would be, if somebody came and started shopping around the Logan's Run script, it's got everything you can ask for from Hollywood. Uh, it's going to have lots and lots and lots and lots of young, pretty people. And I, and I, and I, th and I think that uh, since Mr. Knoll is still with us and lives in Portland, um, yeah. I think he needs to be approved. He has to have approval on it, you know, at least yeah. to say, you know. <laughs> Well, I tell you what, if they rolled it back to his original his original timescape, which is you're dead by 21. Yeah. It wasn't dead by 30. It's dead by 21. Right about the time you're starting to develop your own moral compass, you know, and you're no longer a goddamn sheep. Boom, you're dead. Society removes you. Uh, something closer to that would have, you know, would be interesting. Yes. Uh, because again, it touches on one of my, you know, one of the creepiest things ever. Which is the whole child soldier thing? The, the Sandmen who are running around killing runners are fourteen and fifteen years old. Yes, you know they've come out of the Sandman Academy at age I don't know maybe fifteen or sixteen and are just murdering people for the state. Uh, and it's got yeah. that child that child soldier thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, and again, it puts a different perspective on things. Like another, this will be the last thing. And like another perfect example of that is the a Clockwork Orange. Story, the original book, and the movie. Like when you know things about, because in the movie Alex is, is Alex is depicted as older, like 18, 19, maybe you know. But in the books, he's like 12. Oh and, Jesus! Yo, did you not know that? No, no, I'm I, I'm sorry, you're I I missed that. Oh, he, in the book, he's 12, 13 years old. Okay, so a lot of the things he does. Puts it in a different perspective. Now the other boys were older than him. You know, they were like 15, 16. So, oh yeah, like like the scene in the movie where he uh, picks up the chicks at the record store and comes back to the house and has sex with them. Yeah, that happens in the book, but it's more like they were like 11, and oh. 10, and he raped them. You know? Ah. Yeah. It, it, it. So what you're saying is Malcolm McDowell's was allowed to make his character of Alex so much more likable. Yes, <laughs> and, a, was, and, a, and approachable, and a, yeah, okay. He was, a, he was a jolly good chap, but um, oh god, I didn't know that. I oh know. yeah, it, it puts a completely different perspective 
on that. You know, you get a chance to read that book. Yeah, it's, it's very, it makes it very different. So that being said, all right, so that's our uh, talk to this week, folks, on uh, dystopian uh, apocalypse. Uh, next show, I'm, I've been kicking around the idea with Scott. I want to talk about reality apocalyptic television. And Those I two. am working my way through the first season of The Colony right now. I am on my way. So we're going to talk about things like The Colony, uh, the pilot Apocalypse Man from uh, History Channel, things like, you know, these Doomsday Castle, Doomsday Preppers. We're going to talk about these types of, sh like, reality shows, you know, and how people prepare for the apocalypse. So I think we're going to, that seems to be the direction we're going for that for the next show. Yep. Um, normally we, we would do it... Uh, I don't know. Do you, do you think uh, we're gonna? Look, I'm gonna look at our calendars. We'll see if we can pull it off. Maybe next week because we had to delay a week, uh, so we're kind of off schedule. So I want to see if maybe we could get back on schedule and do one, two, two, two in a row. If not, we'll do it in two weeks. Yep. Uh, we might do it in two weeks just to give us time to kind of really sort through the material a little bit more. I, so. I've got, I've got again, you know, uh, another 15 episodes to get through to get through all of the colony season one and two, and that's not even counting Doomsday Preppers, which yeah. I will. Poke around and I'm looking to find that guy on Doomsday Preppers who just recently got busted up oh, here yeah. In, yeah. Up in, in, uh... in, in Olympia, near Olympia, Washington. Yep. There, there was some guy who apparently showed up on Doomsday Preppers to announce that his plan was to, was to get guns and steal everybody's shit. And he'd appear on TV with guns, and he's like a felon, so he's not allowed to own guns or something yeah, like that. Yeah, so he, he actually was, you know, standing around holding guns and shooting guns on the show, and uh, apparently uh, he had been a problem, go figure, to his neighbors. So his neighbors all sent the damn show, or sent, you know, sent it to the sheriff's department, who were like, huh, yeah, that doesn't look good, and boom, off he goes to jail. Which is five kinds of wonderful, but uh, sadly that has sort of poisoned my doomsday preppers perspective. I well, just... uh, again, you know we've talked we've talked about these types of people before, so yeah. So, so that's what we're so in two weeks, folks. We're, we'll do it in two weeks. We're going to talk about uh, you know the reality survivalist apocalyptic type shows. You know whether it's you know survival simulation or the people preparing for the apocalypse. So that's going to be our subject matter. For next show, show Lucky Twenty One. So Lucky Twenty One, excellent. All right, folks. So uh, that's it for tonight. Uh, I got nothing else to say. No final words. You got anything nope. for us, Scott? Nope. No. You know, with any luck, we'll be here next time. You know, before uh, uh, Vladimir Putin, you know, lets the birds fly and uh, ends our show early. Uh, that would that would be terrible. We got we got a lot of work to do still, so we have to work on Putin. <laughs> so much for so much for Lucky Twenty One. Yeah, Not right. Lucky. Let's hope it is lucky. All right, so folks, that's it. Uh, again, thank you for viewing. Thank you for being us. We will catch you in two weeks. So for myself and for Mr. Scott Glancy, uh, thank you and good night. We'll see you in two weeks.